Cinepod people, welcome back to Cinema de More. I'm Justin Morgan. I'm here with Chuck, Lexi, and we are continuing our free for all month, which just is we have no theme. I love free for all. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> it's a themeless month, and uh, it's my turn. And I'm talking about the Japanese movie from 1997, Cure. <laughs> I just wanted to get all the applause out there <laughs> for this movie. It's something that I watched last year for the first time. I've heard people talking about it for quite some time. Really enjoyed it. It went against my expectations of what the hell I was watching, which is always going to be a plus for me when I go into something blind. That's just how it's going to be. If I don't know anything about it and it's ready to surprise me, I'm always going to love it. If it's the opposite, usually something I'm really hyped up about, I'm usually going to be let down pretty hard. So this movie from 25 years ago, I guess, it impressed me. So that's why we're discussing it. Even online, I've recently seen people like watching this movie for the first time. It happens all the time. Somebody will be like, have you ever heard of rock and roll before? And I'm like, that's fucking weird. The episode's not out yet, but we have already recorded it. By the time this one comes out, our rock and roll episode's out. Chuck, Cure, first time watch? Yeah. Made me think very much of a David Lynch movie in a good way. <laughs> How so, David Lynch? Everyone just seems to come out of nowhere, and they're all the most bizarre people imaginable. They all okay. seem very odd. <laughs> the main guy feels like he just walks out of like a David Lynch movie, especially the main antagonist, the guy with amnesia. Amnesia is a plot in a ton of his movies of characters that have no clue who they are and don't know their past. So that character in particular made me think of a David Lynch type thing. I could see that. Never seen this one. You were saying that this is the film that's kind of like the start of the template for horror in a lot of ways, like the horror from that time period. Yeah, I think it might be more so because of the end. There's old technology, the phonograph, and there's a horror element brought in from that. The guy that did Ringu claims this movie is an inspiration for his movie. I could see it. I mean, I'm not saying that everything's good, but it definitely was the beginning of something. Is something took off from this movie and created all that crap like The Grudge and shit that we started getting all the remakes for. What I saw from this, things I'd seen before in a lot of Japanese cinema. I watch a lot of Japanese cinema. We've talked about that before. I found a lot of the plots, a lot of the character archetypes, a lot of the what I was seeing, things I'd seen before. I wasn't finding it extremely unique or original. I wouldn't say it was a bad film. I enjoyed it. It wasn't so standout to me that I was like, I want to run out and put this in my collection or that there was anything about it that I was really excited about. And I think if I had seen it in 97, I would have a different opinion on that. But I think where I had started in Japanese horror when I did and watched so much of what I did, so many people had influences off of this and what have you, then I just kind of found it to be bone stock and kind of like a template so to speak you know what I mean like I was like eh I've seen this before it didn't stand out to me as hard as it could I guess yeah I feel that too that's how like I was whenever I read Dune two years ago or whatever such a huge inspiration on things like Star Wars and all this other sci-fi stuff literally everything has been stolen from that book at this point 
Right. So when you're familiar with something and then you're jumping back to something that's more along the lines of the beginning. Because I do think that this movie was probably more inspired by things like Fincher 7 and, and then just became popular in Japan and sprouted some of that J-horror. I could see all of that. Started picking up. I said I definitely think it's a thriller. I don't see the, the uh, horror element so much. I thought it was more like, like over-the-top kind of like cop thriller kind of thing very much in the vein of like seven as i kind of mentioned to you before it didn't really like hit me hard i found that the cop character when he starts kind of breaking down i found him a bit obnoxious because he gets too hyped up a bit too much and to kind of see that character type in japanese stuff and i don't know he just was like a little bit too much for me in spots here and there but i really liked the um hypnotist guy i thought he was cool I liked his actor and I liked his stuff. I thought he was unique and interesting. So there's definitely like stuff to it that held me, but I don't think, like I said, I'm not itching to watch this one again. Yeah, that first scene that you see with him on the beach with that other guy, and you don't necessarily know who's going to be the killer and who's not going to be the killer. My first thought when I saw it was, is the guy that's confused is he the one that's putting these killings into motions or is he already been messed with and it's the other guy that happens to be on the beach with him i think fairly quickly yeah you discover who is starting this stuff and they don't hide the fact that he's using hypnotism to uh, mesmerize these people into killing i don't know if how you guys watched it but i watched a feature from the director and he was talking about one of the big things that he wanted to bring into this movie was identity that meaning that he never thinks that a human being in their lifetime has one clear identity the way that he like showcased it in this movie the protagonist character he's a different person as a detective than he is as a husband there is that kind of like duality where like you are a different person around different people and around different situations and he wanted to keep his motives kind of ambiguous think that kind of helps for when the guy is getting further into this case and we start to see some like crazy ass hallucinations caused by the hypnotism there's a part in the movie where his wife hung herself and i'm like oh my god she finally killed herself and that's not what happened at all it was just what he was seeing through the hypnotism that was happening to him and just some like fucked up shit like that where from that point on you can't trust what this person is seeing i did really like that I thought it was a little bit more brutal than I was expecting it to be. The guy that just beats that woman with the pipe. The guy that shoots that person in broad daylight. That's the most comical stop. thing in the movie. <laughs> they're playing that silly one. music. No, the uh, first the guy that kills that woman. Yeah, and it's like they're playing that like goofy music, and then he hits her on the head, and then he's showering, and it's just like <laughs> you can see him like his butt through the through the shower curtain while <laughs> there's just the blood running everywhere. And they're playing uh, like kind of funny music. Either. They're like, we gotta find yeah. this guy, and he's like. One, he's hiding like, in the thing. He's hiding in yeah. like a little service hatch. <laughs> yeah. I like when the cop shoots the other cop in the back of the head. Like it just comes, like you know it's coming, but it still kind of comes out of nowhere. Like it's really an absurd scene. And when he hits the woman in the head with a pipe and there's a lot of good exposition leading up to the, the killing of the woman. Like when he takes the pipe from in the sewer and stuff like that. So there's not a whole lot of, oh, why is he doing that? What's going on? Oh, oh, but now I know why. And then we come back to that later where the water's pouring out of it and he kind of stares at it and realizes like the pipe was taken from there and stuff like that. So he's a pro hypnotist. He can hypnotize right. you from light, fire, water, vibrations, everything. I don't know. I guess it kind of has a supernatural element 
where like the person's hypnotized into being able to hypnotize other people. So like they hypnotize the virus of some sort. You never really know 100% what to expect. Like when the guy was on the roof, I did expect him to jump. But I didn't expect that one guy earlier in the movie to jump out the window. It, it's such a weird scene where it's shot from so far away and it's quiet. It's a quiet movie. but Yeah, it is. And that was brutal, too, when they hypnotized the doctor and she's in the bathroom, like, cutting that guy's face off. And the guy just walks into the urinal like, <laughs> uh, what the <laughs> fuck is happening here? No Chuck's talking about these characters seemingly out of, like, a Lynch film. Probably it's the trench coats, but for some reason that they mock the detective up to look just like the killer, like he's dressed practically the same as that guy, except he doesn't have a nice sick mustache. You know, that's out of the picture. He doesn't have that. They probably, yeah, I, I assume it's purposeful that they're supposed to look like the same character. They're supposed to be like, I don't know, mirror images of each other. The other Lynchian thing in this film was like how you were saying it's a quiet movie and like the sound design is very, there's just a lot of noises going on in the background. There's not music, but like you get the constant, the washer or dryer that she turns on that doesn't have clothes in it that, that his wife keeps turning on that's so loud in their apartment that he has to keep coming home and he does it multiple times throughout the film. He comes home, he has to turn that off. There's like always like some weird, some type of mechanical noise in the background. That's another thing that had that like Lynch feel of just noise instead of music something to put there it kind of had a Pleasantville feel too when he got home and his dinner wasn't ready for him yeah. <laughs> he's like where the hell is my dinner and he's like out looking for his wife well, yeah lost. that's what he, that's what he uh yeah is that the one time or the the other time he comes home and he lifts the thing up and it's like a it's just a raw steak it's not cooked at all yeah. and he like whips it across the room <laughs> it smacks into the wall you can just that's such a it does make that great perfect slapping sound effect of a steak hitting the wall I'm sure the Foley artist is very happy. That's like uh, yeah. probably a great compliment. He had to, he had to, he had to make that make like, that perfect. It's the greatest slap ever, and they're like, thank <laughs> God somebody noticed that. They're like, where'd you get that? And it's like, oh, I just brought this fat guy in and slapped him right on the stomach, right in the, <laughs> right into the mic. Hey, and they did a good job finding, like, grungy places, too, in Tokyo, because that is one of the cleanest, most beautiful places ever for them to find anything that remotely looked like the industrial areas that would be in yeah. a David Lynch movie. But like you were saying, I'm sure he had to have watched something like Seven because the hypnotist's room in that uh, industrial park looked exactly like Kevin Spacey's room in Seven. Like with all the, it's just piles on piles of books stacked up everywhere and they all have something to do with coming up with his plan of what he's trying to do. Plastic sheets covering the windows so no one could see outside. Like it, That 100% made me think of something out of Seven in that respect. It did kill me the translation when the detective was looking at all the books and the subtitles would only translate like a book every uh, yeah, once in a while. Every, like, there are like 20, at, like 20 there. books there. Why are you only translating there, yeah. one book? I'm assuming, I, I almost had to assume that maybe that's like, like whoever did the subtitles like sits there with maybe like the director and is like, which one of these should I put on the screen? Because I'm only going to have time to put, to put like one. Like which, what's the one that I'm, that, that I'm supposed to convey to the audience is important. And then when he looks in the book and he finds Mesmer, who was using this hypnotism, dude doesn't have a face. It's like an all blown out picture of like, yeah, yeah just adds to like the creepiness of it. I yeah, presume. the tape they have is is definitely, you can see that as being like an inspiration for something like Ring You. That's 100% there. Like they have the old grainy tape that's like you can't really make out anything that's happening there. It's like, oh, what's, what's on this VHS tape? Oh, it's a something crazy that happened with it and uh, this this lady from a hundred years ago or something killed her killed her son by cutting an x on him 
I do like all this Mesmer stuff that they, they had. And the detective says, well, would he have watched this? He's like, fuck, if I know if he would have watched this. I, I don't know. <laughs> he shouldn't have been taught this stuff. It's not what he went to school for. <laughs> I didn't look it up. I don't know if there's any reality to Mesmer, but I just like that Mesmerize is essentially that character's name. Yeah. And I hope that the guy that came up with hypnotism was like Dr. Hypno or <laughs> yeah. crazy ass shit like that. Dr. Mesmer. He was Mesmer. Well, when he first read Mesmer, and then they were like, have you heard of this guy Mesmer? I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that was a person. I thought that that was just like a, a book that said witchcraft or something like that. that. That is a real person, Franz Mesmer. Oh, nice. That is what the, the word mesmerism comes from. As a, Mesmerize. Uh, yeah. It's, it, and it is hypnotize. Those were, that was a, the system of a down dual album. Yeah, before exactly. Before they left it us. All, God. It all comes together. It is all in the movie. His most known principle is animal magnetism. Someone did their research when making this film and, and cut her, got some real some real life stuff. I like the way that it plays on you too, where there's a lot of flashing lights throughout the movie. Like that's a motif that just happens consistently. Even when the detective's at home with his wife and like the little light above the kitchen is unnaturally flashing. That's just something that continues to happen. But we know that the guy can hypnotize with the flame, and that's a great moment, too, because he talks to that police chief or whatever. Do you mind if I smoke? I don't care. And he's able to hypnotize him to get him to shoot that other guy. But then when he meets the doctor, he's like, do you mind if I smoke? And she's like, fuck yeah, I mind if you smoke. You can't smoke in here. This is a hospital. <laughs> it's a hospital, yeah. <laughs> I did like that idea, that uh, the, the being able to use different things to hypnotize people. Like, if he can't get the one thing, he'll get the other thing. If it's he doesn't have access to water, then it's like using some sort of sound repeating to draw their attention away. So I did like that idea of he has like all these methods at his disposal. It's not just one. It'd be like the easiest thing in the world because we see him like pull out the lighter in front of the cop a few times. He's like, I guess I'll just smoke a cigarette. And then that cop like loses his mind and slaps the lighter out of his hand. He's like, absolutely not. You won't. And he's like, oh, fuck. And then he's like looking around. He's like, oh, I can't get water. I can't. What, what am I going to use to hypnotize him? Well, even, like, small things, sometimes it's not the lighter, sometimes it's just the puff of the cigarette. Yeah. You know, when he goes looking for that guy in the, maybe just regular hospital, when he finds the guy and the guy's in the dark, all you see is the cigarette light, and then he's out of there. And I do like the X stuff, too, where that's the consistent call sign of the killer, or all the killers, because it's what's been placed into their minds. But I like when he goes over to his partner's house or whatever, and the X is on the wall, and he's like, oh, yeah, I just put that there to help me think. He's like, were you hypnotized? <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, trying to erase it. He's like, dude, I think you were hypnotized. You shouldn't be in there talking to that guy. He's like, I absolutely was not hypnotized. He's just a really big X-Japan fan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, he was. that's all these guys were. It's, it's the cult it of X-Japan. It might have something to do with that, Lexi, to be honest. They're big in the 80s. This is the 90s. They extra pan. They existed. I mean, this is 97. Mm. This is right when the band broke up. Yeah, they're like, we have the rights to the letter this X is, again. This is right after the uh, Yokishi joined the cult. <laughs> this is the cult time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the mystery for this could have been played out in many different ways. It could have had that cult aspect to it. Uh, they were pretty spot on with the hypnotism stuff early on. I do like the one-on-ones when they're interviewing these people, and they're like, yeah, I wanted to kill him. I, I don't know why. And, you know, like, the guy that tried, like, bashing his head into the wall, and they're like, okay, we gotta stop this. We gotta get this guy on, like, high alert. Yeah, I enjoy that. And I like the, I, like, I do like the cop that, like, tries to cut the one guy with, like, a coffee stirrer or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
when they like trigger him with the with the flashing light and they're like what were you doing he's like i don't think i was doing anything he's like pretty sure you were doing something (laughs) i'm pretty sure you were doing something like yeah just the way the way he's like walking around real hypnotized that other cops like not sure and they're just like just just let him do what he wants to do the cop with that light's funny too he's like let me try hypnotizing him like like you know how to hypnotize a person (laughs) the x is tied into like the hypnotism itself and they do say that it's some like primal thing that has to be brought out in a person but it would be like the one partner that's more in the, the realm of science and understanding that kind of stuff it's like you know hypnotism is like really hard to do so i don't really see how this person could be hypnotizing people I think there's people that are acceptable to that type of stuff, and I think that there's not. And I, this is just my personal belief. I don't really see it really working as hard. But he my was mom. getting jacked. Don't hypnotize me. Your mom did hypnotism. No, she is a hypnotherapist. Does she smoke? No, she used to. But she hypnotized herself not to. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. I mean, that was a big thing in the '90s. I remember. I remember that shit. Yeah hypnotizing to get people off cigarettes yeah doesn't that a whole plot of cat's eye i don't know if they hypnotize him they basically threaten him they're like we'll cut your wife's pinky off if you smoke yeah and he he smokes and they cut his wife's pinky off so (laughs) they put the cat in the electrified box for that one yeah that is probably one of the better anthologies i've watched with one of my all-time favorites a cat just a cat the whole time (laughs) one of the better stephen king movies for sure Every time I think about not smoking, I think about Cat's Eye. The song from the police. Every every breath you take, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Overall, with Cure, it helps that it's Japanese because I feel that you have to be paying attention throughout the whole movie. If you were to get on your phone or not pause it to get up and use the bathroom, I think you would genuinely be confused when you came back as to what the hell was going on. But when you see everything, there's nothing honestly that confusing about it. Mostly every detective story, I would say, is a thriller to some aspect because they have to solve the case to stop the killings from happening. But I feel like it's fairly early. It's like a two-hour runtime, and I think by, like, the 40-minute mark, they have that guy in prison. They're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with him, even though the hypnotism is, like, their first guess and they're right about it. They don't bring up any other ideas. I think it would probably be more interesting, like, one of you brought up the cult aspect to think like oh this must be a cult thing this must be like a murder-suicide pact thing that these people must have all known each other and then through the detective work none of these people knew each other then why the hell are they doing this and what's the connection between them they catch him halfway through the film and then the second half of the film is him convincing the cop that the cop is no different than him and that they're the same kind of fucked up person and that he should just accept that he's the same kind of fucked up as him and just join him essentially and being fucked up is like what the second half of the film is and the cop kind of going like yeah i kind of agree with you <laughs> in a lot of ways like i kind of hate my wife and i hate being stuck dealing with my wife because like his wife suffers from some kind of like dementia that makes her like difficult to deal with and he feels burdened by her and he feels burdened by his life and he hates his life and 
he has that moment when he like, I feel like he 100 like, said he hated his life yeah he's like he has that whole moment where he's standing there and he's like i fucking hate my life i hate everything about it i hate that i'm stuck here doing this and i hate that she's like that and i hate that i have to fucking deal with this and put up with this and he's like this is not what i want this is not what i wanted and this is what i wanted and he's like i wanted to have like a completely different life than this he's like i have to be what i am because if i don't stop being what i am then law falls apart essentially like it all falls apart and i have to maintain that order in order to maintain order in the world essentially is like what he's at at his point in his life like he doesn't even feel like he can be his own person he's like living for everyone else and the hypnotist guy is like live for yourself and the hypnotist guy also kind of picks up on the fact while he's trying to hypnotize this cop that they're similar it's like from me trying to work my hypnotism on you i can tell that you are the exact acceptable person that i am to hypnotism and I feel like that's why, you know, you get towards the end of the movie, he essentially takes over that role, and he finds his peace, more or less. Is there a cure, too? Because I could see there being a cure, too. I'm really... I don't think there is. I, I do kind of like that somewhat ambiguousness of what... Like, it, I, they leave it with just enough that you know it's going to continue, and it's just going to keep kind of spreading... They don't really give a reason for why he's hypnotizing in the first place. I think that doctor, before he, he kills himself or something, his uh, his partner says something about that he thinks he's, like, collecting souls or something like that. Or someone someone says that to him, that he's, like, the the whole... This is an overarching plot of that he's, he's collecting souls for this... Uh, not even a cult, but, like, he's just collecting people or something. That, like, that yeah, I could... Like you're saying, I could see there being, like, a, a cure or two where it's, like, spread even further. Like, the guy somehow figures out a way to, like, broadcast the hypnotism over, like, TV or something like that. And then turn everybody into into killers because we just get that final that final moment which i do really like that final shot of him sitting in the in the diner and that woman brings him his coffee and then she's just walking yeah, around and then she just he's finally eating yeah and comfortable like he doesn't give a fuck about anything now and she yeah she just picks up a knife and she just starts like walking over towards somebody and you just know she's gonna she's gonna kill that person and and cut him up like with the x it's a it's a really good really creepy final shot of that movie to end just like that but i could see there being a cure too they could have continued that story but i don't think they did what would it be you would have to get into if there's some sort of supernatural element to it which i would honestly kind of feel that would be appropriate because they get hypnotized pretty fucking fast i would say the phonograph thing seems to be like 30 seconds I don't know how to differentiate between them, but the like the main hypnotizing people who would be the antagonist and eventually the protagonist, they don't have to do much to hypnotize these people. He probably hypnotized that woman in the diner by lighting his cigarette. It's like second nature to him now. He doesn't have to do much to be able to spread that. So I could see it being more like of a supernatural thing. But yeah, hey, who knows? Cure 2, they could be like, actually, it's all science, really. Yeah. Call me crazy, but do you feel like I felt anyway that the cop dynamic between the villain in this and the main cop had a similarity between the cop dynamic and um, Jigsaw in the Saw films. Like, I definitely think there might have been influence on Bozeman. Uh, like, what specific cop? Are you talking about the guy that was, like, actually ended up being, like, a Jigsaw killer with Jigsaw? Yeah, the one that ends up working with him. I feel like he was influenced by this film in some ways. Because I yeah. kept getting Saw vibes 
I mean, that dynamic works really well. It's the same dynamic as Batman and Joker in most of their most of their movies. Like the Nolan film, 100% is like that there are two halves of the same coin. They're supposed to be the same person. Like Heath Ledger keeps telling Batman, like, well, I can't, I couldn't get rid of you. Like, I have to be here with you. Like, we're the same people. We just, we just go about our business in a different way of, of changing the world right. or affecting it. Right, and it's it. eerie because so, you are the hair off from that. You virtually could be that. Person. It is seven though, too. It is. It's seven. It's it's Kevin Spacey's entire yep. entire final speech about how you know. I think me and you are a lot alike. You know, it's it's the exact same. So yeah, it's it's one that I think is before this and after this. It's just a it's just a dynamic that's very easy to use in these type of films. The director said that he was inspired by a local news story. There was a killing that happened, and they had interviewed the neighbors, which really just sounds like Chuck talking about 2020 or something to me. But when they were talking to the neighbors, the neighbors were like, oh, we thought that he was just a normal, nice guy like everyone else, but he was really just like a wolf in sheep's clothing. The director of this said he really started to doubt that news story. What if he wasn't hiding? What if that guy was a nice person and something happened to change him or in the heat of the moment push him into murder? think you do you do you have both of those things in this world i think that you honestly have people that aren't normal and pretend to be normal and then you get people that get pushed too far nobody is a saint and i don't think that anybody is necessarily evil incarnate evil or either you know like i don't think that that really exists of course on the spectrum there are people that are definitely more that they care more evil than saint and vice versa but i do like that when you do have that thin line of you're really not that far off from me and uh, i'm a terrible person Those cops are not far off from criminals anyway. No, I mean, that's the same thing like firefighters are the most common person to start arson. It's it's hand in hand. (laughs) Arson likes fire. They're like, oh, I'm going to fight fire, but also we'll start some fires. (laughs) There aren't enough fires to put out lately. If only I could get that up. Well, the cop thing is, is interesting, too, because I'm reading Killers of the Flower Moon, and they were talking about how policing wasn't in the United States for a very long time because they thought that it would become corrupt over time. So when there were cases and stuff that had to be solved, they were solved by, like, the townspeople, which I'm sure wasn't that great either. <laughs> but there wasn't, like, a huge abuse of power because, I mean, like... I feel like that's how you got witch trials. It is kind of how you got with Charles. And a lot of times, like, the sheriff of the town would be, like, the most corrupt person. And they're like, all right, we're not going to fight that. We're just going to let him be corrupt and let his gambling and all that prostitution and all that stuff continue in our town. We're not going to fight it. It is weird how it's coming to a point where I think there needs to be more said about what it is to be a police officer. And I think a lot of people are in it for the they're power hungry and I, I don't really think a lot of people are out there to kind of well, serve for the people they're not paying them well so the job doesn't pay you well so if it's not a good paying job to go into the reason you're going into it you're going into it for power right because you're not going into it for a good paycheck or you're going into it because you care about people I'm not left with the impression that most people that are going into right. this is because they're going into because they care about people. It's because you're going into because you want the power. That's what it is, 100%. Because, I mean, you don't get paid well to be a teacher, and they're not going into it for power. So there are people that probably do think that they're going to make some sort of difference. And this is going to sound sexist, but there's a lot more angry white men going into the police force than there are into the teaching. These are people that want to kill people. There's not a bunch of angry white men going, I'm going to be a teacher. 
And I, I <laughs> wouldn't want to generalize those people, but they protect those people. So I mean, I you hear stories it. about a kid or like somebody who had something traumatic happen to them, and the police help them, and they go, "That encouraged me to become a police officer." Had their family murdered or something like that, and the police helped them with that. Batman and, again. Well, I mean, like that does. <laughs> yeah, but like. There are actual cases of, like, people, you know, being injured or hurt and police helping them, and that encourages them to go into that. And there are good cases of that, but then there's a lot more cases of big dick asshole goes, I want to go into this for the power. In 2005, when I was in school, Florida sheriff made an average salary of $26,000 a year. What kind of person goes into becoming a Florida sheriff? Who wants Genuine. to be in Florida? Right. Who wants to be a Florida sheriff? $26,000 a year. That's not a fucking paycheck. You're making $26,000 a year to be a sheriff. I watched the documentary Telemarketers, and a lot of these telemarketing firms were through the Fraternal Order of Police, and they were getting all this money that they were saying like went towards police officers that were shot in the line of duty or something like that but they wouldn't see any money it literally would go into a fund that some police officer would use to pay for their cruises and shit like that so again corruption i know i'm like generalizing the kind of person that goes into that when you lower your pay rates you draw a particular type of person do you not if you paid over 50k a year and you had really good benefits and you had really good whatever and that's a starting pay at 50k and you know you're going to go up from there you're going to draw a lot more people that are going to go hey this is a good job <laughs> you know what i mean like it's not a good job at 26k a fucking year like that's that's sh shit job in pennsylvania it used to be a requirement to be a police officer that you had to graduate college and they're doing away with that now too so like now let's oh, have even crazy. less educated people with guns riding around and yeah no that's not that's not okay like there should be more education behind it there needs to be more background checks there needs to be more more diversity in the force too it's a solid film it's actually impossible to get your hands on. I didn't like the riff that you sent me because I had to watch the Internet or Internet Archive one. And uh, I said, I'm willing to pay for it on Amazon or something like that because it was like, I just wanted to see a better quality rip. Could have got a free trial to Criterion Channel. that what you did? Yep. Yeah, maybe I should have done that then because I tried to find it somewhere And then else. you can watch all the 70s car movies that popped yeah. up this month. There you go. So I guess it's on Criterion. But um, outside of that, like, it is not really very accessible. I guess if you don't buy the Criterion DVD, it's also really hard to get on media as well, like physical media, because a lot of people were, like, crying online about how hard it is to get. So it's a trickier film to get your hands on. For that, I would say try to find it and give it a shot, for sure. It's interesting. I think it's worth watching one time. I don't want to put it in my collection. It's not one I'm like, oh, I need this. It's not a standout to me, for yeah. sure. I thought it was a very mill-centric film. I don't know if that matters or not. I mean, obviously it didn't pass the Bechdel test or anything like that, but I found it very, um, like, male-driven. And I don't know if that influenced my opinion, necessarily. find that that does affect my opinion on films more often than not. I mean, but, um, think about this sexist hypnotism with the doctor where they're like, you're, just, you're a woman and that's always been bothering you, right? You know what? Maybe in that scene, too, because he spills a cup of water and, like, 40 gallons of water go across the floor. Maybe the stuff that he's saying to her, he's not really saying to her. Maybe this is her perspective and, and these are things that actually bother her and this is things that she's thinking about during the hypnotism. We don't 100% know what we're seeing is actually what is happening or is in someone's head. 
unless they like snap back and they're like, oh yeah, my wife's fine. She definitely didn't hang herself right then and there. So there is a mild quality about this film that does glorify the idea of empowering your male side and not weakening it. The cop has allowed that to be weakened by his wife and to be weakened by society, which is weakening men, and that he's a stronger male character and that there is a male-centric quality about that, which I think there's a lot of underlying subject matter like that throughout the film. Japanese, Japanese movies, culture, yeah. that's You have to have a women in prisons movie, The Fast and Battle Best. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that, right. That's what we're, fi- that's what we're finding out. I'm not mad at that either. Like, I wasn't hating on that. But I think this one in particular was particularly male-centric, even for a Japanese film. And I thought this was a good movie. Like I said, it was the second movie I've seen of his. Is he the same one that did Dark Water? I don't think is he is. Is that his? No. Uh, I think it was someone else. <laughs> I do which like Dark a, Water. Which yeah, is an incredibly a, feminine yeah. film. <laughs> he did that'd, Pulse. That would be a change for him. Oh, yeah, Pulse is, is the good. other one. Pulse, Pulse is the other one, yeah. I knew he had done like another another big movie, so I guess this is the third movie of his that Dark, I've, Dark Water that I've seen. is um, the Ring guy, if I'm not mistaken. When I saw this movie, yeah, it might be. I was impressed with the storytelling aspect of it, and it kind of kept me interested the whole time. So I was excited to see Pulse, and I got Pulse during like an Arrow sale, and I thought it really didn't feel like it was even remotely made by the same person to me. That's a straight up J horror. Yeah, it's weird. It's like the people that were. That's know, like a teen J horror too. That's not even like Ring is like what I would consider like high J horror. You know what I mean? Like it's more in like the upper. Pulse is like what you would give to like your kids for like a Saturday night sleepover kind of thing. Yeah, or it makes me think of like the original Halloween and how it influenced all these slashes. Right. But exactly. then the Halloween sequels. The Halloween sequels were now inspired by the slashers that were inspired by the original Halloween. That's how this kind of adds up to me. Yeah. I still dig the story, even though I I think hypnotism is kind of like a weak plot in general. But the ambiguity at the end, it works. That usually does work for me. But when I'm like, eh, maybe it's something supernatural or something like that. The idea of the movie being called Cure, and I know that Cure has to do with the state of mind at the end of the movie where he's all relaxed and comfortable. It's creepy because it's like, what was he cured of? He was cured of a conscience or something? His wife is gone. They do talk about at one point in the movie, like it's a halfway point when he is talking to the antagonist. He's mad. He's angry at the antagonist because the antagonist has a carefree life and they don't care about society. And he has to live in the realm of society with all these parameters and shit. He's cured of that mental restriction of being restricted to society. He's free of that. Just like the, the guy who's the hypnotist. But it is so creepy to have the cure or the fix be that you've given into whatever the hell this extremely evil thing is. And that ending where I guess it's not very ambiguous because it's straight up like, yeah, she's going to fucking stab that waitress is definitely going to stab somebody at this Denny's or wherever the fuck that they are. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. I've watched it twice now. I, I enjoyed it more the second time around. Uh, I think that we had a nice discussion. And I'm happy about that. Have you ever seen uh, Magic with Anthony Hopkins from the 70s? Actually, I just watched that for the first time like two weeks ago. And it's such a fucking weird movie. I mean, go ahead. Ask me whatever you're asking me about. I just like if we're talking about like hypnotist 
like kind of shit and what have you like kind of in the same vein it's a pretty good movie i like that movie i think it's good my biggest critique was they kept i was gonna anthony recommend hopkins. it to you oh yeah they keep calling anthony hopkins boy he looks like he's fucking 50 years old what are you talking about <laughs> yeah. calling him boy i just thought if you like this movie you might find that one interesting too where it's that slow pacing and it's got similar kind of like themes with the hypnotizing and what have you I did find it interesting. I don't know if it held up to the hype, but I think that might be another issue is that going into it, I thought it was going to be like ultra creepy. And I, I'm not going to lie. The Veltriloquist dummy was fucking terrifying. He's really creepy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the, the killer and killing point on that film is the yeah. Ventriloquist dummy. So, And it does a good job of not without giving too much away. Like the dummy's not like doing it so it's like it's nice to know like but the dummy is a murder weapon at one point in the movie so. yeah it's it's cool like i like it's a good movie Have you ever seen magic nope you should check that one out it's an interesting film i think i watched it on maybe peacock i'm getting confused with all the streaming services of where i'm finding <laughs> these things i saw it on shutter like a few years ago back when i was on my killer doll phase and it wasn't a killer doll film but they threw it in the mix for some reason I think it kind of works because half the time you're watching that movie, you think, I don't know, maybe the doll is killing people. But I don't know. Right. Anyways, uh, we'll be back next week with Chuck's pick, which is Big Bad Wolves, I think. Yeah. I'm interested. I haven't seen it, so you got me there. Mentally, I keep confusing it with Green Room, and I know it's got like nothing to do with that at all. I thought you had to con- confuse it with like a werewolf movie, not like a neo-Nazi <laughs> Green Room is a great movie, though. Green Room is an excellent film. So good. All right, we'll see if it has anything to do with Green Room when we get to it. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. We are Cinema Demore. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.